Hi, everyone. Welcome to Take a Knee. I'm Pastor David. You know, when plans go bad, have you ever had something that you've planned to do and it just doesn't work out the way you had planned? You may be the kind of person that loves to just get all the details down and put everything down on a list. But you know what? It didn't work out the way you thought it was. You thought that everything was just going to go according to the time schedule you had and the uh, hotel was going to be the way it ought to be. The people were going to be the way you thought they were going to be. Your car was going to work the way you thought it was supposed to work. I've been there, done that. In fact, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a story of, of mine that kind of just brings us into the whole idea that I plan to present today. And that's why today's title is Plans. I was 19 years old, and I was supposed to be doing a, a uh, youth retreat up in, uh, was it actually in Iowa? And I was living in between places at the time. I had gone back to Michigan where I grew up and where my family was. And I was using the summer to uh, prepare and do some things to get ready for uh, going to Bible college. And so this was a, a wonderful, great moment for me to kind of rest up from high school and to get ready to go to college. And so I had gone back to where a church that I had been serving in, and, and, and it worked out beautifully. I had a wonderful time. And, but it was time for me to go back home, back to Michigan. And it was going to be about a about, a, I guess, an eight to 10 hour drive from where I was in Iowa back up to northern Michigan. And as I was going through Chicago, and if you've ever been to Chicago, you know that's a very, very busy area when it comes to driving. And I was on I-80 heading west. Actually, sorry, heading east. And on this highway, as I was going, uh, my car decided as I was right in the middle of the Chicago traffic, that I needed to, uh, my car needed to, to to let me know that it wasn't going to work anymore. And if you've ever been on that highway before, you know it is absolutely loaded with trucks and people coming off and on. And, you know, just being a young driver, I was only beginning to learn how to function with that kind of, uh, that kind of activity. But anyway, my car began to break down and I and, uh, didn't know what to do. And, and, and it was losing power as everybody was going 80, 85 miles around me. My car was losing power and I was slowing down. And so what ended up happening is that I had to find a way to get off the road. And so eventually I did. I, was find, I found myself a, an off-ramp in the middle of Chicago. And of course, I wasn't prepared for that. I only had enough money to get me from point A to point B, and I pulled off, and, and my car was just losing power. It would go for a little bit, and then it would stop going. And, and what was amazing is that I finally found uh, a place. So as I pulled off, uh, all I could do was just go where my car would allow me to go. And so I was able to make it into this neighborhood that seemed like you know a moderately nice neighborhood. And I pulled into the nicest house I could find, and, and my car just kind of pulled in and and I did my best. It seemed like the car would go like 25, 30, 35 miles an hour. But any faster than that, it would just lose power. So I knocked on the door and an elderly gentleman came to the door and looked very nice. 
And I said, sir, I, you know, I just broke down on the road and I wondered, is there a chance I could use your telephone to call my family? Thankfully, he was very friendly and he said, sure. So he let me use the phone and I was able to call my brother back in Iowa and tell him, hey, I have broken down in, in, in uh, Chicago. Thankfully, he was able to come and he found me and we went to a hotel. And first of all, well, first of all, we went to a, uh, a gas station and we, had, we noticed that it wasn't open because this was 4th of July weekend. And it was Friday of the weekend. And we were able to talk to the mechanic and he said, but I, I'm not going to be able to get to this until Monday. So my brother, being as kind as he was, he put me up in a hotel and he said, David, you, you know, you're just going to have to hang out here until Monday. And, and then hopefully he can fix you and get you back on the road. So as I said, my car was able to go, you know, 35, 40 miles an hour. We found a place that wasn't far from the hotel. And so I had to sit in this hotel by myself on 4th of July weekend in Chicago. And I remember just feeling so alone. And, but as a believer, as a young believer, I remember I went outside and I could hear the fireworks going off on Saturday night, I think it was. And people screaming and yelling and having a good time. And yet there I was, maybe just eating some food that my brother was able to, maybe some sandwich meat and some bread and a couple of drinks to get me through the weekend. And, and I remember just feeling so alone and, and so like defeated and, and like, what happened? How did my plans, how did this all happen? And I wasn't sure, was he going to be able to fix my car, not fix my car? Am I ever, ever going to get home? It was a very helpless feeling. And, and it may seem like to you when you're listening to this that, that that's not a very big deal. Well, you know, that wasn't the, the, the time of cell phones. That wasn't the time of GPS. This wasn't a time of when things, you know, I didn't even have AAA or anything like that. So I was, I felt defeated. I felt like everything had fallen apart. I felt like God had abandoned me. So I remember going outside and on a couple of those times that I just didn't want to be in the hotel room anymore. I found a place kind of near the road where people come and gone and maybe toward the side. And I found myself a little hill and I just sat down and, and I prayed and I just talked to the Lord and I began the dialogue. And I said, Lord, how come this happened? What have I done wrong? Have, why have my plans not succeeded? Knowing that I came to Iowa to do ministry, that was what I was supposed to do. But then I felt like God had abandoned me. What I realized in the end was that, you know, it was not God abandoning me. In fact, as you look over the situation, matter of fact, I don't even really want to tell you what was the end of the matter for me? Because I want you to just focus, while well, you're listening to me right now, I want you to really focus on, can you identify? Have you had those moments in life when you just feel like God has abandoned you? Do you feel like that in your plans and what you've been doing, that it just nothing was working out? And that is where I want to point you to the direction of what the scripture says. 
Because when we look at events like that, they're much more complex than just what, as it first appears. As a young man, my first thought was that God was abandoning me. But why? Why was God abandoning me? And my mind just flowed into the next natural thought. And that was that I had done something wrong. That there was something that I was in sin doing. And that God had left me or God was going to teach me a lesson, quote unquote. That's a natural thing for us to do as human beings. And perhaps maybe you would think differently. But when you go down the list of things that can happen and why they happen, well, you know, sometimes stuff just happens. Sometimes, sometimes stuff happens because God is trying to get our attention. Maybe it's because it's not about whether I've been acknowledging God or not in his sovereign plan, but maybe we just have to learn because God says, well, you know, you did this on your own. And you, you had a plan that was not my plan. And so as a result, you kind of s- began seeing what it's like to try to live a life without God. And I'm not saying that that was what was going on in my situation. In fact, that was far from the situation because I was doing what God wanted me to do. There are other issues. In fact, when I began to look at it, because you're probably wondering what was my final conclusion, my final conclusion was that there were things that were happening to my car that I had ignored. (laughs) And the lesson I learned was, you know, get your car checked out before you decide to drive 10 hours in a car that was about, I guess, about 15 years old. That's a good thing to do, isn't it? Is to kind of rethink what it is that, okay, what could I have done to prepare better? That's one But the other thing that really was going on in me was that God said, you know, David, I wanted to slow you down. I let this happen so that you would sit here for a whole weekend and just spend time with me. Because my life wasn't in danger. In the end, what is amazing is I took the car in and it was the simplest thing. It's going to blow your mind when you hear what the mechanic did. It is something I could have done if I had known. The mechanic went and he realized that I was having a gas flow problem. And the gas was just not getting to the carburetor. And so he disconnected the fuel line and he took an air hose and he blew back through the fuel line back to the tank. And he said, you know, these older cars, he said, there's a sock that goes into the tank and, and it can get dirty. And so the, as it sucks gas from, your air, from the tank, as the suction, the vacuum from the tank goes to the carburetor and then you know, from the fuel pump to the carburetor and where that's pushed into your motor, he says it's being choked off. You're not getting gas because the line is plugged. He blew back the plug and that was what did it. Next thing you know, the car starts up. It's working beautifully. And I was on the road within 20 minutes of arriving in the morning. In the morning, And I remember thinking to myself, I could have easily just driven into a, a gas station, had an airline, and just disconnected that myself because it was just an easy disconnection with the fuel line. I mean, it was easily uh, found. Could have fixed it myself. 
But God was up to something there. God was up to wanting to spend time with me. God allowed this to happen so that during that weekend, I would have these very deep moments that I would reflect. Maybe there were some things that I repented of. I don't remember. I'm sure there were. But more than anything, I remember hearing God tell me, and I've written this down in my journal, that God was pleased with me and that God was happy with me, that God loved me, and that he was letting this happen so that I would take the time to listen to him. He didn't have a lot to say in the way of, of all the things he disagreed or was unhappy about my life. I'm sure there were. There were probably a lot of things that, that he has told me since that were happening then. But in the end, what God was trying to show me was, David, don't get so busy that you don't take time out to be with me. And that's interesting, isn't it? Your conclusion might have been different. And of course, you know, you look at those kind of events, you can do things. Those are the kind of things you just have to work out with God. I want to look at a couple of verses here today. I wanted to begin with Hebrews chapter 12 when we think about our plans and the plans that we make. And when those plans don't always work out, there's some scripture that helps us kind of take it all in. Listen to this. And this is Hebrews chapter 12, starting in verse 5. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines those he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which all have participated, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us, and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the Father of our spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time, as it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good, that we may share his holiness. For the moment all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant, but later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we find that when we make plans in our life, we find that there often there are things that God is after, and he's always going to be after those things. Paul's conclusion, or whoever wrote Hebrews here, was that endure all hardship as discipline. That's the way we should look at it. And not everything that we have in life can be considered really hardship. Only you can tell the difference when you get into a situation that's tough and you find your soul stressing and the peace is not there. That, you know, between you and God and as you observe it, as you interpret it, it's a hardship. And as the hardship comes, maybe it's the, you don't have enough money for something or things are breaking down or a vacation didn't turn out the way you had planned it to, to, to turn out. God is looking for a connection with us. And Paul, I love what he does there, or again, the writer, the writer of Hebrews, let's just say that. 
The writer of Hebrews is saying that he's a father. That's his motivation. That's where he's coming from. When we see an impersonal God or a force bringing discipline, then the first thing we think is, that's not fair, or that's hurtful, or that's cruel. But when a father says no, or a father has to discipline, that deep down inside we know what it is that God is doing. We know instinctively that it is love that the Father is showing us. I remember years ago, my pastor, one of my first pastors, said something that I have used ever since as a father and as a pastor, that people are asking two questions. Who loves me and who's in charge? Who loves me? Well, God loves me. And who's in charge? Well, God's in charge. And when we think of children, they're doing the same thing. They want to know who loves me. Their parents love them. And the parents also are in charge because God has placed them in charge. When love and authority come together, then it comes into discipline and direction and focus and mission and leadership. God is doing all of that. God is doing all of it. But when we try to live our life without him, when we try to do things that are without his direction, his love, when we make plans without him, it's not like God is going to mess up our plans. It's just that he, have, he has better ones. And that makes me think of Jeremiah 29. That wonderful promise that says that he has plans for us, plans for a hope and a future. Hmm. So God's got plans for me? Yes, he does. God knows us, and Jesus comes and he confirms that, saying, I know every hair on your head, that the Father knows you before any day ever came to be, Psalm 139. So it makes sense that God's plans are better than our plans. And if we ask him for those plans, then he's, he's more than ready to give them to us. And I'm not saying that, again, I was out of the plan of God when it came to going to Iowa and doing what I did and coming back home. God was doing something else there. Because God wants to be involved in our plans. God wants to be a part of them. Why? Because he wants to bring that hope. He wants to share in the joy. He wants to share in the hope. And he also wants us to give glory to him when those plans succeed. God wants, to, uh, wants us to know, and he wants us to give glory to him. And that's what giving glory to God means, by the way. Giving glory to God means to attribute to him the glory due him for the success of the plans that were his in the first place. So when we praise God, we thank him for doing what he has done. And we invite him into our plans. And when those plans succeed, we tell God, Lord, thank you for your plans. Thank you for giving me the idea. Thank you for helping me put all this together to have the life that I have. Now, that's not to say that there are times when things do go off the rails, and they always do, and they, 
we have those experiences that sometimes God might want to pull us aside and remind us, you know what, you didn't do this my way. And when we don't do things God's way, then we shouldn't be surprised when they don't work out. Or that their long-term fruitfulness is not what we hoped it would be. See, God's ways will always produce fruit, hope, life, and constant joy and celebration. So I want you to be thinking about that today. Matter of fact, I'm going to finish now and, and pray for us that we will embrace the plans of the Lord. And when we have hardship, we'll see it, that it, God is at work. He's trying to discipline and lead us and that we would be submissive and ready to listen. And maybe just like what God showed me on that day of sitting in a hotel room all by myself in Chicago so many years ago, that he just wants to be a part of it. And so, Lord, I pray right now, God, that you'd bless us and keep us. And God, help us and to remind us, God, to let you be a part, if not the leader of our life, but God, to share in its joys and its celebrations. Lord, to begin. Lord, we know that word that says that we should not say, I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that. But we should say, if the Lord wills it. Because, Lord, if we're always in the center of your will, then, Lord, we'll never be disappointed. Lord, I thank you for that. And I, pray, I thank you for the revelation. And I pray for those listening today, Lord, that we would all embrace it. And, Lord, find that true peace and joy. Lord, and to limit, if not totally get rid of any disappointment in our life because, Lord, we're so submitted to your plan and all that you have in store for us. God, through the hardship and through the celebration and the victories too, we thank you for that. Lord, bless us and keep us now in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you folks and have a great week. We'll see you next time.